Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. And I am at one and at peace with the void, and my name is Till. I liked your, your hand. Da, 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 they can't emotions. see it. They, they can't see my somatic components, so. Yes. Rolling with Disadvantage is our podcast where we argue, debate, and scream into the void. I haven't screamed in a while. I'm not going to scream now. Not very forewarning, it is coming back sooner than later. Edition. I just don't I know did, how it would work on this kind of microphone setup that we have. I did see an article today about the the person who has the loudest shout on record. Oh. 121 decibels. Oh. Is louder it than a what? jet engine. Sounds like, uh, was the person's last name the same as my last name? And was her first name Fran? What? No. My, my aunt is. is oh, loud. no. It was just it was some school teacher in Ireland. Ah, good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where you gotta shut those fucking kids up every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 121 decibels. Can you believe it? Uh, no, I can't. Uh, I'm trying to fathom that and trying to think if I've ever heard anything like that, and I can't say that I have. Oh, feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast. Hi, everybody. Like, what else is that range? What what kind of uh, sound? A Slipknot concert's 109. Yeah. See. Okay. So louder than that. Jet engines. Jet engines about that loud. Okay. So she's Sustained loud. Gunfire. Okay, okay, so if I was in a firefight, I could still hear her shouting commands. I think the Irish military needs to get her up there. Let's see, let's go look at, um, let's see what Google does for comparatively loud noises. Yes. Uh, okay, <clears throat> a thunderclap or a chainsaw is 120 decibels. A steel mill, 110. Jet takeoff, only 100. Fuck. Oh, wait, jet takeoff at a certain distance. Uh, jet, yeah. takeoff, jet takeoff when you're right up against it, 25 meters, 150. Okay, okay. So she's not as loud as an actual jet. Standing next to it, no. Yes. Um, uh, but this is the best part. It gives you a decibel effect in this little chart that I'm looking at on uh-huh, IA, uh-huh. Uh, I acoustics something. Um, for a thunderclap, right, if it's right next to you, it's painful. But a jet takeoff right next to you ruptures your eardrums. <laughs> okay, so she's right between painful and eardrum rupture. When she's screaming her loudest. Can you imagine yeah. being that loud? Okay, what if... Bit of a throwback. What if we put her in the quietest room in the world? <gasps> Holy shit! How what would the, what would the? I guess we'd get the, the true... loudest woman and the quietest place combined. You'd get the true measure of her volume. Probably. Yeah, I think so. I think it'd be fun. Hmm. She says she doesn't get that loud anymore because it hurts her throat and whatever. Thank God that it hurts her because if not, it's a superpower. It's a superpower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, um, is it Banshee or whatever? Banshee. Yep. Uh, Black Canary. Uh, does yep. vocals um the fucking uh evil queen bitch from mortal Kombat? she screams at people to kill Ooh, them. yeah the with the purple and the white hair and the black hair and the it, um, i know that the daughter is katana is her name like katara or something like that or Shitara? i feel like it's something yeah it's relevant, I feel like it's it's, relevant. isn't it is not dungeons is not dungeons and dragons related not to mortal Kombat, yeah, sir. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're 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 off. We're off already. It's not the very first Mortal Kombat movie merely a D&D adventure. Um, I would say that the second one is just cuz it's more of a shit show. The the second one is is garbage. It is hot, smelly, sweaty it is. garbage. It is. Um, the first one is a classic. Yes. A, oh my god. It is also garbage, but it's classic. Now wait. Bridget aside, Wilson, please. Aside from the first Highlander movie, Every movie Christopher Lambert makes is shit, but very entertaining. I'm going to look this up. Hi, everybody. This is our D&D podcast where we talk about 
Christopher Lambert Whatever. is a is just a treasure, and he's actually oh, is he really Raiden? Smart yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's Lord Raiden in the first one. They had to change him out for uh, Dexter's yeah. dad in the second one. Oh my god, that's so funny. I I watched the first one probably like eight years ago, but I haven't seen the second one since I was a child. Um, but yes, uh, Christopher Lambert did a uh, a very interesting steampunky version of Beowulf, the Legend of Beowulf. That was fascinating. That's, there should never be Beowulf movies. Um, it was really weird, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, let me think. He did all the Highlander movies, obviously. Um, Whatever, it doesn't matter really. Yeah. Great I just, just contend the first Mortal Kombat is a D and D adventure. Yes, I, I the party gets a shared call to action, right? Yes, they they go on a journey, they arrive at a place to, to a mythical land. Exactly, they have to engage in challenges, overcome foes, learn about love, loss, death. Yeah, and it's not all about just the fighting. Like sometimes you have to outsmart your people. Like when uh, is it? Is Lu Kang? Yeah, Lu Kang fights Sub Zero, and uh, Johnny Cage fights the water Scorpion. bucket at him. Yeah, throws the water bucket at him as he's making the ice sphere. And Johnny Cage gets the scorpion thing stuck in a tree or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, then, and then they go to hell, and it's what just a wonderful. fight! What a yeah. fight! And yeah. Sonya fights the guy with that Kano. Kano, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then if Johnny Cage nut punches Goro. That was good, yeah, dear listener. If you have not watched the first Mortal Kombat from 1998, oh, it's got to be 95. I, it's got to be. It was old. It was so old. 1995. Yeah. If you have not watched this film, go indulge, enjoy, get it. get it. And then, if you feel compelled to watch the second one, do not. Your soul is mine. Oh yeah, who's that actor who plays? Um, very uh, famous actor. I can um, never remember his name. He's done so many he's things. Done so many things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull it up. We're just the whole first segment talking about this movie. I cannot remember the name of the guy that plays Shang Tsung. Yeah, Shang Tsung. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right here. Shang Tsung. Uh, I can't. Kerry Horayuki Tagawa. Perfect. He's in He's in also Planet of the Apes, mm -hmm. Tekken movie, Mortal Kombat, yeah. the Man the, of the High uh, Castle TV show. The uh, guy that plays Liu Kang, do you know how he followed up that one? Mm -mm. He starred in the comedy Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. I mean, I mean, obviously that makes sense. <laughs> oh, see this guy. He also does voices for video games. Mm. Shang Tsung. Yeah. Oh my God. He's, I think he has like 200 some credits to his name or some shit He's like got that. A lot of credits to his game, but even like world of Warcraft voicing, obviously mortal Kombat TV show. He's got uh, a great voice. Overwatch, like all sorts of stuff. Okay. So hi, what is it? Holy shit. Is this a show about Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, Everyone loves Mortal Kombat back in the day. Come on. I know, right? Mortal Kombat. What was the best one that was on N64? Mortal Kombat. Um... Shut up. We're playing a game. I can't remember what it's called. But once they started going into three dimensions and going around, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, then, I, mm -hmm. then I, I fell off quickly after that. Do you, you can't give me more dimensions. I can't handle it. <laughs> what are we talking about today besides Mortal Kombat? Because I feel like our listeners are not here for Mortal Kombat. Well, that's their mistake. Um, do you want to do my thing or do your thing? We'll do... You might uh, think it's easier. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. It'll fit um, better into this segment since we've already blown a solid chunk of time. Solid, solid chunk of time. Uh, do you want to do arms and equipment in one? Sure. All right. I want to talk about arms and armor, which fits into fits into Mortal Kombat. Fighting, sort of, kind of. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of stuff we haven't specifically talked about in terms of armor and equipment. 
Yeah, I feel like there's something you're trying to get at here, and I wasn't entirely sure, but I'm down for the cause. I am I'm not trying to get at anything specific. I just have seen and revisited a couple rules recently, and mm. I wanted to talk about flavor as well, because there's a lot okay. of complaints on the internet about specific weapons and why certain weapons do or don't exist anymore. We've we've done this before. Like, yeah, I think, you know, I think we talked about that. We want we want certain things to exist that no longer exist. What's the what was the thing that you want that doesn't exist besides the buckler? I know the buckler Falchion. we had like a segment on. Falchion, mine's the bastard sword. I missed yeah, the shit bastard out. Bastard sword? Come on, that's a fantastic weapon. Or the original versatile weapon, right? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm gonna open up my equip monk here. Uh, mm -hmm. in the where the fuck in the player's handbook is equipment. Anybody? Anybody got me? Uh see, I use the Indie Beyond, it does not have page numbers. Literally, but it's chapter five, if that helps you at all. Oh, is it chapter five? That does yes. help me because I was on chapter eight. So it's right after background. There it is. There it is. Well done, sir. Um, so I actually wanted to, we can start with weapons because we're already right there. Sure, go ahead. Uh, there's a, the big complaint you find on the internets mm -hmm. is why certain weapons exist and other ones don't. And one that always comes up is a trident. Yeah. And a spear. Okay. Go ahead and go ahead and take a look at those. Why why does one exist and one I'm not sure what you're asking for. Why do they both exist? Well, I, I'm fairly certain that that's entirely for flavor. Correct. Because um, a spear and a trident are both the following: piercing, one d six damage with mm -hmm. a they're thrown with a range of twenty sixty, and they are versatile for one d eight damage. Yeah, they are the exact same statistically. However, a spear is a simple weapon. And mm -hmm. a trident is a martial weapon. Yeah. There's no statistical difference, I guess, except their weight. The trident weighs one more pound. Yeah. And, um, you know, depending on who the DM is, obviously this isn't in the book. This is just something that I'm thinking off the top of my head. But with a trident, I would give somebody the ability to maybe disarm somebody, which is maybe why it's a martial weapon as opposed to a simple weapon. Interesting. Um, or maybe like, you know, if they're trying to hold somebody down, maybe they could pin an arm with a trident. Interesting. You know, I or, feel like there's other uses for a trident other than just poking things. So, and then the other ones are something something like uh, scimitars and short swords. They're each a D6. One mm -hmm. is slashing, one is piercing, but they're both finesse light weapons. Well, again, I think it's the difference between slashing and piercing there. So, this is my, this is my question. You know, why do some things exist? Why do they bother as mm -hmm. opposed to just saying, okay, flavor weapons however you want. Um, I think just because not everyone has the greatest imagination, and so some people need it spelled out, like, you are allowed to use this, these are the rules for it. So then where's my scythe? Oh, man, do I miss the fucking scythe. Where's my double-bladed axe with the two axes where's my double sword the, the, the sword dwarven, end? Uh, dwarven urgnot or something like that uh no that was the 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 one with the axe on one and a spear point on the other i thought that one was uh Urgot, hammer on dwarven one. urgosh yeah and uh, i thought it was like a hammer and an axe no that on, was a separate yeah, weapon altogether oh, okay yeah there was one that had an axe uh, on the and gnome point. double pick or something and like that yep 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 exactly right where racial weapons where are the racial weapons exactly if you're where are the exotic weapons I miss exotic weapons. If you're We've telling me about that before, but if you're telling me like, oh, they had to list some because people are dumb. Where are the where's the cool shit? We've talked about this many times. Fifth edition is made to be simple, 
and to be easy to get into. The more shit like they have, do you remember how big the weapons table used to be just in the player's handbook? Yes, but that's this is an area that should be able to be big. People like choices in weapons. Um, you never this isn't, rules. This isn't rules at all. This is just no. weapons. Yeah, yeah, but it's it. They're trying to limit the amount of stuff you have to intake so that you don't have to remember as much. I I guarantee you that's the reason. Um, you never played Call of Cthulhu with us, right? Nope. Okay. The weapons table in that game is, I believe, seven to eight pages long, and it is print that's probably half the size of that in the player's handbook. That's a lot. There are, there's so much shit, and you're sitting there like, uh, uh, I mean, because they have everything from the, you know, basic flintlock pistols that you used in the 18th century all the way up to 1940s weapons, and then they have fucking, you know, crazy space weapons and shit, too. So everything in between is used. Okay, that's obviously a hyperbolic example because D&D, well, it's it's very clear early on what the setting is for these books. I think that the entire point is that they wanted to keep it as simple as possible. So they said, what weapons do we absolutely need to have in here to give people options but not overwhelm them? And I think that's what came out. So why include a blowgun? Because isn't it like a simple weapon that has range? Nope, it's a martial weapon. Oh, then I don't it has know. one damage. I don't know. Don't this ask. is my point. I don't. I don't buy any argument because the holy shit, a blowgun can go a hundred fucking feet. It's at disadvantage. Um, yeah, still the schizophrenia in the weapon choices is very real. You know, you gave me both a maul and a great axe. Uh, yeah, great axe, but mm-hmm. you didn't give me the falchion or the scythe. I, I think with that they were trying to they were just trying to avoid exotic weapons in general, and they didn't want something that was essentially a one-handed one d ten or two d four option. They just wanted to avoid it altogether. So then, what they've done right is open it up for people to reskin however they so choose. Like if I said, "Oh, I want to have a gladius," right? Yep. Like a like a, yep. a gladiator yep. sword. Yep. It's not gladius. quite a short sword. It's not quite a long sword. I have to just decide. Oh, I guess that's a long sword. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a D8 slashing. Or if you want a katana, that's a long sword. Katana used to be a bastard sword. Yeah. Yeah, everything's just a long sword. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, what what other weapon? Would you, if I wanted a scythe, my character is a farmer. He started adventuring. He that's his main weapon of choice. What does it do? Um, I would probably just make like uh, a super sickle if I was going to say that. Well, it's a super sickle. This doesn't even have weapon so, sizes. So, so a sickle it just does a D4. I would just make it 2D4. I would make it a two-handed 2D4 slashing weapon. There's no rules for large or small versions of weapons. If I'm a halfling... No. My longsword is the same as a human's longsword. We've actually talked... I know we've talked about this before, because I've said I, I miss the days when there were small weapons for small characters, and you could also get large weapons and take the monkey grip feet and just wield a 3D6 fucking greatsword that just demolished shit. So... To, to contrast this for my next five minutes here, there's very little rules around weapons with the exception of things like um, loading, right? Mm-hmm. I could probably do like 20 minutes on loading because it's insane and nobody nobody really abides by loading. Um, but I do want to go back and talk about a few things that are important for armor that people tend not to remember about armor. Um, What's now, on your mind? Armor, on the other hand, I think they did a good job with in 5th edition. I like, I like the setup of here's a base number plus your decks. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to it adds this much, right? Okay. I like that a lot. 
Now, uh, when it comes to armor, the thing is that a lot of people tend to forget <clears throat> you don't have to be proficient in an armor to wear it. 100% accurate. Um, if you, you, you can still throw it on, but if you don't, if you're not proficient in it, you get disadvantage on any ability check, saving, saving throw, throw, or attack roll. roll that takes strength or dex. Yep. And you can't and you, cast spells. Yes, that, that's the big one, because otherwise every wizard would, would be getting Correct. their strength up and wearing plate mail. So if I'm like, you know, if I'm the wizard, at the end of the day, I'm out of spells, this, I can't attack anyways, I could throw on some fucking heavy armor and just like I mean, you chunk still, my Leia Wong. Here. Yeah, but then you can't use, you know... Uh, your cantrips, and that's your only means of attack at that point. Uh, right. This is this, this, there is a payoff somewhere, but you can wear the armor. That's kind yep. of a big thing that a lot of people tend to um, forget. Now, related to that is the strength requirements on heavy armor. Mm -hmm. um, they say it right here: heavy armor, chainmail, spinal mail, and plate mail all have a strength requirement. It's it's, it's what that it says. It's read page before that, right? Yep. What that does, you have to have that strength in order to use it. Except you can still wear it if you don't, but it just reduces your speed. Yeah. So if I have a strength of 12 and I go to put on an armor I can't necessarily wear, I still get the full benefits of it. I'm just slower. Yeah. Right? So if you're a, I don't know, a ranged fighter mm -hmm. for whatever reason, you're like, oh, I still want plate mail. You don't, you don't have a 15 dex, but you can still have 18 armor. You can yeah. still do it. Yeah. You just go um, slowly. Again, I think a lot of people tend to overlook those kinds of those options because they're not great options, but they're possible options. Now, what right? I would say uh, towards the spellcasters wearing heavy armor, if let's say it's the end of a bloody fight, you know, you're tapped on spells and you're at like one hit point and you don't have anyone to heal you and you're trying to get back to town, maybe throw them in some heavy armor, put them in the back of a card and just drag their asses. Right, exactly. You just, you, they're unconscious, you put them in heavy armor. Yeah. That way, at least they have AC when somebody attacks them and they get advantage in the attack. Yeah. Now, they, so, go ahead. So, I was going to say, so, like, what is your answer? What What do you, like, what are you hoping that they would do, maybe in a future edition? Well, in Armor, they did a little bit better because they even put notes on equipment size, right? Um, but I really just want to see more options because... If you have less options, for example, in the armor, what you get are more arcane rules around who can wear what mm -hmm. and you're allowed to wear. So by only having, let's see, how many armors are there? Three, six, eight, twelve. There's, thir there's 12 suits of armor, right? Um, by only having those, I then have to include options like, oh, you know, you can wear the other ones. You just get disadvantage. Oh, you know what? You can wear this even if you don't have the strength, but you're slower. I have to include these arcane rules as opposed to having more armor choices that allow me to fit in between those slots. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. More options. That's what I want is more options. Where's my arms and equipment guide? <laughs> right? Where's my heavy shield? Uh, the tower shield? Where's my... Where's my, No, there was a heavy and light shield and a tower shield. Where's yeah, my half heavy, plate? Heavy wood. Well, there are half plates in there. No, it's just plate. Half plates in there? Oh, okay, yeah, never mind. It's not a heavy armor. I forgot. Yeah. It's, it's um, but uh, yeah, there's heavy wood, light wood, heavy steel, light steel, light. Yeah, heavy wood, yeah. light wood. There was a steel, lot of fucking shields. Power shields, bucklers, spike shields. 
I, I do think this is a, a place where we could expand, right, in terms of arms and equipment. That was the arms and equipment guys for, or in every book, right? I mean, some books do have mentions of other armors and weapons in them, um, but it could, it should really yeah, be a core like thing. Campaign setting and stuff. Right. Um, it should really be a, a core, core thing, because what you end up doing is everybody ends up homebrewing the same fucking items. <laughs> like you and I both independently, without talking to each other, homebrewed a great bow. Uh-huh. Right. And yeah. everybody homebrews a katana. Yeah. Why not just make it? I, I feel like, you know, kind of leaving it just at the basics gives people, I think maybe they want people to homebrew. Maybe they want people to do their own things. Maybe they feel like that is more uh, exciting for players to do. And that's why they've left it so simple. And they said, hey, you know what, guys? Go get them. As we discussed, people aren't capable of homebrewing. <laughs> they're not they're just not it's always overpowered every time well well we'll be getting to that soon but yes yes it is usually yeah. um, let's go ahead and say that for the next segment and yeah, uh, take a break yeah we're, right getting, here. we're getting there we'll see you guys in a minute to talk about that all right be right back yep Hi, we're back. Oh, hello. Just like that. I just I saw a great shape move through the void. Uh, I wasn't sure whether to say hello or act like I wasn't here. So you, you're supposed to bow down and wave. Well, what I did was kind of like a mixture of the two. Uh, I hid behind a rock as I was saying hello. And rocks in the void. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Wasn't a rock. It was a rock without a K. Oh, it was a bird. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard was to it tell. A, very dark, and I don't have dark vision, so... Was it a rock lobster? It was not. It was just an actual fucking rock, and I thought it was going to eat me. But I, I made it back it. for the show. There's also birds in the void. Okay, interesting. Yes, well, massive, monstrous birds, yes. I mean, are they... I think they're magical beasts, aren't they, rocks? I think rocks are just monstrosities. Really? I think so. D&D Beyond Rock. You're already there. Look it up. Us East Monstrosity. Yeah. Nice. Keen sight. Challenge rating 11. 11? I was going to say 10. Damn. What makes a rock so challenging? Multi-attack, two attacks, sure. One bite, one talon, plus 13 to hit. Huge damage. And uh, 48 plus 9. Yeah, and that's a crazy right. fly speed. They grab you and they just take off with you. Yeah, 120. Yeah, yeah. the talons plus 13 to hit. 46 plus 9, and you're grippled. Mm -hmm. So basically, rock should swoop down, grab somebody, take off. That's where the challenge of a rock is. Yes, and then you, everyone else has to catch up. You recently talked to me about how your party took on a purple worm. Oh my god! Still trying to wrap my head around that one. And uh, what level is your party? Eight? We are four level eight characters. There is myself, the shifter barbarian. We've got an ASMR paladin. We've got a dwarf cleric, and we've got a Ganassi uh, druid. Fighting a purple worm, challenge rating 15. Yes. So what makes a purple worm, challenge rating 15? Uh, massive damage. Like, uh, like, I'm pretty sure that it missed uh, us twice because it rolled uh, a two and a one on two of its... I think it took eight or ten attacks total. So um, the, mult the purple worm... What's it get plus 14 or 15 to I'm hit? I'm going to compare it to the rock, right? The Go rock ahead. is yeah. 11, challenge rating 11. 
Purple Worm Challenge 15. Yes. The Rocks Bite Attack plus 13 to hit. The Purple Worm's Bite Attack plus 14 to hit. Okay. The Rock did 48 plus 9 damage. The Purple Worm is 3d8 plus 9 damage. Ooh. But it can swallow you. Yes, which it now, did several times. This is the, the big difference. The Talons in a Rock plus 13 to hit, 3d6 or 46 plus 9 picked you up. The Tail Stinger on a Purple Worm, that's the deadly thing, right? Yeah. Plus 14 to hit, 3d6 plus 9. But DC 19 con save to take 12d6 poison damage. Yes, 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 that's, it hurts. That's, that's, that's where. Is it a half, get half damage if they save? I can't remember. Yeah, it's half damage. I'm pretty sure we took it every time. It's still 21 damage on a fail, on a successful save. But yes, the only two attacks it missed were two tail attacks, uh, two stinger attacks. So I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, your DM, your DM saved you. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason that we live. No, uh, he, he was not trying to save us. Oh, I think um, no, because we we beat it. I think faster than he anticipated. This is why I give things more life because I hate that fights are so quick. Hey, man, dude! When the, I homebrew my monsters, they you do give them health. They have like, so much. Even more just life. the fucking bandit archers have like fifty health. It's like oh yeah, damn. oh yeah, yeah. Because what's the point? What's the point of a short? As if it's if it's like you know. If it was like 30 things, they'll have like a little bit of life. But when it's, you know, 4v4, and I know you guys can kill them in a second, give them more life. This actually goes right into what we're talking about next. Well done. Good segue. I'm good like that. So we, like, we were talking like about a professional it. broadcaster. <laughs> Live from CBS. Yes. Um, what we were talking about before was homebrewing and how people just ha- end up homebrewing because they kind of have to out of necessity right. weapons if they and- want something unique they got to make it so i know that you are big on the homebrew fund you just kind of talked about it with your monsters and your npcs um my question to you is what kind of testing do you do or do you none. just kind of base it off of experience yeah it's at this point none i used to i don't anymore i used to like i don't know I don't know, eight years ago, I used mm-hmm. to actually like make a party and run through the encounter with my guy. Okay, this is whatever. Now I just adapt it in the moment. If you're fighting something and I and I realize like oh, this is going much poorly, I will nerf it in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like because you don't know what I'm doing anyways. You don't know the stats, so there's nothing stopping me from just using my my experience and my intuition. Going okay, this this needs to be instead of you know plus twelve to hit, it needs to be plus ten to hit instead of you know. 3d8 plus 4, it's 2d8 plus 4, like just making those changes as I'm how, sitting how there. Do you, how do you determine that? What's your thought process when you're doing that? Uh, do, Sort of extrapolating how quickly you will all die if I don't. Yeah, but isn't part of that sometimes luck? Like maybe we've been rolling 1s and 2s all night. Maybe it actually wasn't that hard. Luck balances out. It's generally okay. no. Because, you know, I, I'll be lucky and I'll be unlucky. You'll be lucky. You'll be unlucky. You mm-hmm. know? That That's not so much the part that I'm worried about. It's consistency and it's time. If I... If I only took one turn and somebody's unconscious, probably a bad sign. I probably need to to nerf it or or start missing a little bit. Um, so when it comes to monsters, I don't do any testing anymore. I just I I can you can look at monsters that are online and you can go, okay, I'm going to use that as a baseline. I'll modify it here. I'll nerf it there. It should be roughly it should be roughly the same challenge rating. Now I don't look at too many homebrew monsters just because i i tend to like to stick with monster manual stuff because I, I i feel more comfortable doing that i'm not quite at the making it up as i go level yet um but when you see homebrew monsters online do you ever just think to yourself 
oh shit, I don't want to fight that. Every time. Do you ever think that, god damn, I feel bad for those people that have to fight that thing? Well, absolutely. We talked about homebrew previously in subclasses. We looked at people's yeah. subclasses and mm-hmm. how ridiculously overpowered they were. Uh, when it comes to homebrew monsters, it's almost always the same case where they they made it because they thought, I want this cool thing to exist. Mm-hmm. Like nine, to- nine times yeah. out of ten. I want this cool thing to exist and I want to have all these powers so it's always going to be overpowered. So I almost never use anybody else's creations really ever. The best way, like flat out, the best way to homebrew a monster is to figure out what challenge rating you want, find a monster that exists on D&D Beyond that's the roughly that challenge rating and just reskin it as what you want it to be. Okay. That's it. That's the secret to homebrewing a good monster. When's the last time you did something like that? Every time you play. Yeah, well, okay. Constantly. If, if you're ever fighting something and you're like, I've never seen that before, I probably just reskinned something that already exists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you guys went into Deep Sun and you fought all those stone defenders, right? Yeah. Those were existing monsters that I just called that. Mm-hmm. And I changed, you know, a damage type or something like that. Okay. It's, it, it's just reskinning things that already exist. That's the best way to homebrew because then you're preventing your players from metagaming because they yeah. don't know what it is. And it's already been balanced for you. Okay, so now one thing that I do homebrew, and I know that you homebrew much more than I do even, items. I know you make a lot of fucking items. Magic items. Why why do you do that? Bruh, there's not enough good magic items. (laughs) There's a lot of magic items. I said good. I said good. Okay, Okay. fair, 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 fair. What's your your proudest uh, magic item you've ever made? What's your favorite so far? Mm, Well, like, the favorite. Yeah. What which one do you think worked the best? Like it did what you intended and it wasn't too crazy and it was used. A wand in the proper... of counterspell. When did we get that? You didn't. Oh <laughs> wand of counterspell is like it, it's it's really low charges, right? But it's still a reaction and you have to have it out to use it. So it's this really great utility of okay, I'm holding this. I'm ready. I'm going to use my reaction for this, so and I can do it like a, a twice in a day, you know. Or a druid. Somebody that's like sitting there with a free hand just holding this, waiting. Right. It, it's it's such a good concept, but I never bothered giving it to you because you always had somebody who could counterspell or it didn't matter so much. It's, like, it's always something that I want to put in the game. Uh, I just haven't had really a chance yet. My my favorite that I ever made was also a wand. Uh, it was a uh, cultist wand. Um, and essentially what it did was you could be used to amplify the range of a spell that they were casting. Okay. But every time that they would use it, they'd have to make wisdom save or their wisdom would fall, giving them more into the God that they were worshiping. So every time they tapped into power, they had a chance to essentially fall more under the sway of that evil deity. I've done a lot of, you know, complicated items like that, and they tend not to work the way I hope they would. Mm. You know, where it it's something really specific and it's something really cursed, and it has like a you know, a stat block is half a page long. Mm-hmm. Um, those tend to function poorer in my vision than the really simple stuff. You know, really simple stuff being where are the bracers of dexterity or the gloves of dexterity? Just make the uh, gloves of dexterity, right? Oh, uh, I miss them. Super simple, super straightforward. Putting That's these cool. on, it gives you plus two to dex, max of 20. Done. Easy. Balance. Great. 
you know, the yep. periopt of wisdom, a headband of intellect, cloak of charisma. It's all right there. It's all super easy. There already exists items to base it on, just like Iun I stones that mm-hmm. do the exact same thing. So simpler items tend to work out better. Yes. Um, what's the, the item? Com- oh, go ahead. The, you're going to ask me what's the item that's failed the most? That you regret the most. Uh, the, the, the amplifying Bacalore mask or whatever. The amplifying Bacalore mask? Uh, on, yeah, man. I gave, I gave, uh, the, I gave Yeezus the head mask. Oh, is that, it was, it was a, it was a mask that it was, a, yeah, it was all like, the spells? It oh, it was like an amplifying mask. And what it, it had, I knew that's what you were going to say, but I didn't remember yeah. being a mask. He had a couple options that whenever he bardically performed, he would roll a d20 and it would do a thing. And one of those things was if he rolled 15 to 20, it would duplicate the last spell he cast. So he just, whenever he, whenever you started a day, he would cast Prismatic Spray and just never cast anything else. He would just mm-hmm. perform on his turn, hoping to hit Prismatic Spray, which he did. 25 percent of the time which is still insane so i i was like you know what? I it can't. wasn't it wasn't prismatic spray he did disintegrate that was his nope, one that it he was had prismatic on spray it was never disintegrate um i'm pretty sure and it was, that's how he disintegrated the door into the death tyrant slayer it wasn't disintegrate nope what door into a death tyrant slayer the one that was guarded by the giants you you opened that you stuck your hands in and gave blood to open it then there was another wall or something that he disintegrated to get in 100 percent guarantee that Hundred percent guarantee yeah, that. Yeah. Yep. As the person who you're asking for my story and remembers it because it was a huge failure on my part, it's prismatic spray every time. Okay. Um. So, he, the cost of giving he he got that item because he was supposed to rap for it, mm-hmm. right? He was supposed to write an original rap and rap battle in, in his bardic college to get it, and he never did. So it was really easy for me to say, "Okay, retcon. I'm taking that away from you because you didn't do the thing that you said you were going to do." What did he get in return? He got a he got a participation trophy, um, <laughs> which allowed the 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 wielder to gain the benefits of a spell effect being cast on someone else that they could see. Um, it's like you could take credit for somebody else's spell. <laughs> um, it never got used, even though it was hilarious. So it was really easy for me to say, you know what, that's overpowered. I'm going to take that away from you because you fucked it up anyways. But it's super hard to take an overpowered item away from somebody that they're enjoying using. That that brings up the next point, you know, how do people, how how do you as a DM who has made something and given it to somebody, whether it's a uh, item or a weapon or uh, you know spell or uh, even a, like a subclass, something you realize this shit is broken, whether it's too powerful or not powerful enough, how do you either take that away or fix it mid game? You just have to be reasonable adults. Like that's, How that's, dare you ask me to do that's that? That's the simplest answer. If I gave you a a, a a the blessed of the gods, holy Avenger, great sword, it's you know, in absolute nut busting insane, and I turn to you, I'm like, you know, that's crazy. I'm gonna I'm gonna remove one ability from that. Hopefully, you can say, you know what, it is crazy insane. I was enjoying it being crazy insane, but I can see why you're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you're not sourpuss about it. I'm like, dur, but I want to be overpowered. The dirt that are dur, like. I think we just have to be reasonable adults about it. It's a game. Yep. Uh, we sh- we should all be able to agree. It, we can, you can all tell if something's overpowered or not, mm-hmm. right? I think it's pretty straightforward. Like that's really that's really the kind of the, the line, right? Is if you look at it and I look at it, and we both go, "That's that's more better than I thought." Um, it probably needs to be nerfed. Yes. 
but the 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 important part in this whole process is not to be one-sided about it. Mm-hmm. My my really my favorite recent RPG horror stories are people who make a you know they make a character for a campaign whatever it is and they're and they're good in the campaign just by virtue of coincidence, right? Like an undead campaign and you're a cleric or 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 whatever it is, whatever it is. And your DM says to you, you're too overpowered. I'm going to nerf your abilities. Like, that's... No. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, like, like not homebrew stuff? No, just, just, just straight, flat... Yeah, fuck you, dude. Yeah, this exactly. Is, these are the literal rules. These are, things, these are stories you see in here all the time where people are just using the rules as written, raw, and they tell, and their DM says, nope, it's too overpowered in, in the story. Like, that's, that's not my fault. That's where you're taking something away that's not, you know, like... That nobody nobody did anything crazy. Just as a coincidence that I happen to be good at this, the DM in that case should change and alter the story to more mm-hmm. balance it out if they're having a problem with it. It's Especially not the same as all. yeah. It's Go not ahead. the same as me giving you a thing, realizing my mistake. Like if I gave a child a gun, yeah, I'm like, hey, child, I'm gonna need that back. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as me walking into a a shooting range and there's people with guns and going listen guys these are dangerous i'm gonna need you to give me your guns hmm. right that that's rel- that's basically the same thing where i'm walking to the adventure you you're somebody who's already there with rules that are already written and i go no you're too overpowered as opposed to me giving you the overpowered thing and taking it away from you like there's a huge difference there um and it's really up to people just to be adults be adults in the room there's there's no there's no gimmick there's no like bullshit that you need to do you just have to be able to look at each other and go hi we're we're friends, right? That's overpowered. You can keep it. I'm gonna nerf it though. Especially, you know, in the situation you'd mentioned, um, where the person was using actual just made rules by which of the coast. Was this a homebrew campaign? Did they specify that or was this a pre-made? Yeah, I wish I could find the story about it, but it was a homebrew setting. Oh my god. So then change your fucking setting. You don't yeah, need I know. To you know, it was it. it was super, super obvious, straightforward story. This person it was it was one of those you know posts I read it of is my DM being too harsh and tells about how he's how his character has been nerfed over and over again. It's like yeah, your DM's an asshole. Yeah. Like what are you what are you doing? Um, I mean, like the only time that I've ever played Curse of Strahd, I'm like, okay, I'm playing Curse of Strahd. You know what I'm making? A fucking vampire hunter. Yeah. Right. And so I specialized in killing fucking vampires. Yeah, a ranger with favorite enemy undead, all those sorts of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, yeah. And, um. I think Monster Hunter was already a subclass by then. So I just was like, okay, I'm a Monster Hunter. I'm going hunting. So when it comes to homebrew and it comes to overpowered things, you just have to be adults. That's all there is. That's it. It's a game, but most people who are playing it are adults at this point. And even if you're not, even if you're teenagers, great time to practice being an adult. Great time. Thoughtful disagreement is the term. That's what you need in a so fucking that's game. That's kind of why I've avoided making more and more complicated magic items in recent memory. I've kept them to simpler ones. Um, even like the ring that you just identified in this setting recently was your wisdom increases by one. Mm-hmm. Like That's not an item that exists. It just is one that I can't with. It's not even as good as some other items, but it's nice and simple. It's like, oh yeah, I'm level five. That's fantastic. I'm going to throw that on. I enjoy your Mirror of the Multiverse. That's my favorite oh, item you oh, made. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot about that. That is my greatest creation of all time ever. That, yeah, is, that, is, that is my magnum opus of magic items. That, for those of you who don't know, uh, we do one-shots. Whenever I do a one-shot, the treasure that they get 
is a mirror of the multiverse, which they can see their other characters in. And you can send an item that you acquired in the one shot to your other characters and the other things. So it's a way for me to motivate like good playing in a one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows me to like kind of sneak a magic item in to a different campaign that wouldn't make sense otherwise. Yeah. Um, and with that, uh, it also should be noted that all of, and I've, I'm sure you've said this before, but all of your campaigns and one shots take play in the same world. They do. So it helps that like every time that we as characters look into the mirror, we see all the other characters we've been. And that's fun. Right. Right. It all it's already there. And some things are, you know, some characters are recurring and things like that. So it, it does exist in the same like adjacent timelines, more mm-hmm. or less. But um so there was no we didn't really we didn't have a really good conversation about homebrew, if you ask me. <laughs> I think we had a great I, one. I don't I'm gonna I'm gonna re-listen this later. Maybe it's just me being in the moment, but we'll see about that. Um, what are you talking right. about? I think that we discussed a lot of good things for homebrewing. Final thoughts about homebrew. I uh, again, as we've stated, you know, a lot of it is trial and error. And if you make an error, own it, and then hopefully your other group will accept that you owned it. Yeah, be adults. Be adults. It's, it's, it's a great adult moment. Um, all right, that's it. Uh, make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Um, send us your DD rants at rwdpodcast.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, rwdpodcast. Um, anything else, or is that it? Good to go. All right, we'll see you next time, people. Till then. Goodbye.